In this episode of The Story of the Six, Guru Hargobind makes a rousing declaration of sovereignty, which leads to the first armed confrontation between the Six and the Mughals. I'm co-producer Erica Wong. Before we begin the episode, we have a favor to ask of you. If you find this work compelling, please be sure to rate it and write a short review. That will definitely help us get the podcast to a wider audience. It was early morning, and Guru Hargobind was in Kartarpur holding court. He sat amongst his Sikhs, listening to his minstrels sing Asadivar, the ballad of Rag Asa. The singing concluded and the congregation rose in prayer. The scripture, the Guru Granth Sahib, was read, and the command of the day was proclaimed. The Guru looked at his flock with great affection, and then looked quizzically as he saw some unfamiliar faces. To one side, he beheld a group of Pathans, doughty Muslim hillsmen who hailed from Afghanistan. The Guru sent an attendant to inquire about the reason for their visit, and when he learned that they had come to see him, summoned them to his side. My name is Ismail, said their leader. I live in a village called Mir, which is not too far from here. We have heard a lot of the glory of the house of Nanak, which is revered by Hindus and Muslims alike. And since you now sit on the throne of Guru Nanak, we have come to pay our respects. What is your profession? asked the Guru. My lord, we are the sons of Patans. Our hands refuse to hold the grosser scale, and our feet refuse to plod behind the plow. We are here to serve, and what better or more glorious master could we possibly find? The Guru looked at the band, appraising them, and his attention was drawn to a fine-looking lad in his early teens. Who is the boy? the Guru asked Ismail. My nephew, my lord. His father's name was Fateh Khan. He was just an infant when both of his parents died. Since he had nobody else, I decided to adopt him. What's his name? asked the Guru. Bende Khan, my lord. This was the first meeting between Guru Hargobind and Pende Khan, who would become a fearless warrior and one of his most beloved followers. The Guru asked the Pathans to return the next day. The lad and four others were conscripted into the Guru's force. They were given two buffaloes for milk, and their daily wages were set and were instructed to take up residence in Amritsar. Bande Khan thrived under the Guru's care. Food was abundant, and he had no duties other than working out and training. His daily training included tying two large earthen vessels filled with sand to his arms, and thus encumbered, swinging clubs weighing 160 pounds each around his head, 
the Guru was much pleased with him and would make him presents of valuable clothes, Arabian horses, and rich foods suitable for athletes and warriors. Bandai Khan was placed under the care of experienced Sikh soldiers who turned him into a great swordsman and archer. His physical strength grew and he became known as a redoubtable wrestler that few could beat. The Guru treated Pandek Khan like one of his own sons, sparing no effort in nurturing him. After a few years, he arranged a marriage for him with a Muslim girl from a nearby village and set up a lavish household for him. Passed peacefully in Amritsar, the Guru presided over his court and tended to his flock. His fighting force too continued to grow. Bandai Khan was now a full-grown man and a formidable warrior. He could raise a tree trunk weighing 400 kilos and lift two full-grown buffaloes. Without rope or bridle, he could stop a stallion in full flight. He could efface the markings on a coin by rubbing it with his bare hands. Bandai Khan was known far and wide as one of the Guru's favorites. There were other brave warriors too, who were similarly nurtured and favored by the Guru. Notable among them were Bidhichand, Jetha, Amiya, Pana, Kalyana, Chanda, and Palla. More young men flocked to the Guru's court to join his army, which was fortuitous, as the peaceful times were not destined to last. arrived from Kashmir that the Emperor Jahangir had passed away and had been succeeded by his son Khurram, who had taken the title Shah Jahan. The Guru knew that this spelt trouble for the Sikhs. His cousin Meherban, his uncle Prithichan's son, who obdurately continued to oppose him, had poisoned the new Emperor's mind against the Guru already. The Guru's daughter Bibi Viro was to be married, and her mother as well as the entire court were understandably excited. The Guru, however, sensing that hostilities would break out soon, forbade them from inviting a large number of relatives and arranging a lavish wedding. Discontent was simmering for many reasons. Many of the Sikhs were nervous about the Guru's warlike stance and his insistence on raising an army and acquiring weapons. Furthermore, his pampering of Pandey Khan, who would often be given gifts that Sikhs brought for the Guru, excited tremendous jealousy. The Sikhs decided to petition Pai Gurdas, who had been Guru Arjan's scribe and confidant 
and was greatly respected by Guru Hargobind. Bhai Gurdas listened to the petitioners and their complaints carefully and composed a hymn. Taram sal kar bahida ikat thauna tike tikaya paatsha ghar aamade gad chadaya paatsha chadhaya ustat mehal na paavdi natha fire na dare daraya manji beh santokh da kutte rakh shikar khilaya बाणी कर सुन गावदा कथे न सुने न गाव सुनाया सेवक पास न रखियन दोखी दुष्ट आगू मुहलाया सच न लुके लुकाया चरण कवल सिख भवर लुभाया अजर जरे न आप जनाया ऑलवेज स्टेर ही वंडर्स फॉर नॉट इन अ टेंपल डज ही डवेल Kings once came on bended knee, but he was thrown into a cell. The faithful thirst, no sign of him. Roaming intrepid he is found. Whither his forebears gentle throne, this one hunts with dog and hound. Whilst they were steeped in sacred song, this one, it seems, cares not a whit. Casting aside the ones who serve, with cruel scoundrels does he sit. Truth will out, how can it not? Lovelorn his servants make a plea. We know the burden that you bear, O manifest our master be. Baigurdas tried to convince the Sikhs that they should have faith in the Guru, but when they refused to be placated, he asked by Buddha, the venerable old Sikh who had served every Guru since the time of Guru Nanak, to convey their concerns to the Guru. The poet Santok Singh paints a vivid picture of the sages meeting with the Guru. The Guru met Baba Buddha by Ramsar Tank. As Baba Buddha bent to touch the Guru's feet, the Guru quickly reached for his hands and stopped him with a smile. So great was his respect for the sage. He motioned to Baba Buddha and asked him to sit with him at the edge of the tank and looked at him with a quizzical gaze. Sri Hargobind Bak Bakane Kis Prakar Te Amar Thane Jotum Kehat Aay Ut Jate Aap Keh Kyo Dharayo Gate Jet Saam Ki Tapat Baderi Spoke the Guru, summoning him near. What is your purpose? What brings you here? A word from you, it would suffice. I would travel, come to your side. The heat of summer, this blistering day. Why did you choose to bear it prey? In the vivid imagination of Santok Singh, the sage replied thus. सुन बुड्ढा बोलियो तुम स्वामी सब खट जानत अंतर जामी तो सिख संगत गुरकेरी कहयो चहत इनके हित प्रेरी निज दासन के कष्ट बिनासन रावे जो जग बिखे प्रकाशन सूरज किरण सरब थल लागे तो न लेप रंच भर पागे भाख अभाख अगन में परे एक दोष भी छो ना धरे तिम तुम री गत है सब काल जानत है जिन सुमत बिसाल 
नर लीला जग पिख कर सारे मूरख मत अपवाद उचारे सुन सिख खिजे लड़े तन संग नहीं सहार सके मन भंग धरे बिहाद कलेश करंते जह कह मूड़न सो झगरंते निज संगत को करो सुखारी इस जाचत हम निकत तुम्हारी सैफ द सेज ओ माई लॉर्ड खाइंड ऑल नोइंग यू कैन रीड माई माइंड यू आर आर लॉर्ड योर सर्वेंट्स वी टू पिटिशन यू दे हैव सेंट मी बाय योर ग्रेस आर पेन टेक्स फ्लाइट एवरीवेयर योर ग्लोरी ब्राइट ऑल इज टच्ड बाय रेज ऑफ सन एंड येट दे अनसलीड रिमेन though fire burns what's pure and base on it never a single stain such is your state in every age this much is known to each man wise and yet beholding this a few let to their lips their doubts arise the faithful ones are much perturbed slander such they cannot bear they take to task the doubtful ones to pieces fools are ready to tear to you i come to beg beseech end the strife and heal this breach very diplomatically baba buddha reiterated that the guru's fondness for the hunt and military exercises was creating tremendous angst among the six they feared for his safety because they felt that news of his martial exploits would inevitably reach the moguls when these six expressed their doubts others would vociferously object to the guru being questioned upon hearing of baba buddha's anxiety the guru responded kindly assuring him that he would be very happy to address his concerns and reiterating that he would never ignore the sage's counsel however said the guru you should be aware that i have done nothing but follow your advice you prophesied that i would be a mighty warrior you strapped the twin swords of piety and might upon my person you trained me in the art of battle whatever i do is for the betterment of my six and their protection and mark my words all of this will be needed in the days that lie ahead do not be fearful o sage let the six know that i am merely obeying the command that my father their fifth guru sent from his deathbed tell them to stay strong and not doubt their guru just as guru nanak on receiving god's command resigned his stewardship of the supply office or the muddikhana of sultanpur and wandered for several years spreading the true word i too have been commanded my blessed father addressed me in a vision the injustice of the moguls has exceeded every bound and it can be tolerated no more it is time to gird your weapons and armor and stand up to evil so that the innocent may abide in peace baba buddha satisfied that the guru was not being reckless but instead had a game plan returned home much reassured 
and did his best to calm the restless six down. Preparations for Vero's wedding were in full swing. A room full of aromatic sweets and mouth-watering delicacies had been prepared for the guests. It was late in the evening. The cooking fires had been extinguished and the cooks had been sent home when a band of six arrived from Kabul bearing gifts and offerings for the Guru. Tired and hungry after a long journey, the Guru decreed that the delicacies prepared for the wedding party be given to the hungry Sikhs, but the Guru's wife, Mata the Modri, steadfastly refused to open the storeroom until the wedding party had partaken of them. The Guru let his wife have her way, but solemnly said, My Sikhs are dearer to me than life, and everything here is the Guru's langar. From the time of Guru Nanak, Everyone who comes to his house hungry is fed. These precious sweets? They will fall into the hands of the marauding Mughals. Everyone with an earshot trembled with fear. Just then, a wealthy Sikh arrived with 200 kilos of sweets and food as an offering for the upcoming wedding. The Guru had him place the food before the Sikhs who had just arrived from the West. As the party ate and got ready to retire, little did they know that the troubles that the Guru had been preparing for were very near. The year was 1634, the Emperor Shah Jahan was visiting Lahore. Accompanied by his courtiers, the Emperor decided to go on a hunt in the direction of Amritsar. On his wrist sat a magnificent white hawk, a gift from the Shah of Iran. Unbeknownst to the Emperor, Guru Hargobind had set out on a hunt as well in the direction of Lahore and the two parties ended up close to one another unwittingly. The emperor got tired and was ready to return to Lahore when he saw a magnificent duck take flight and he let his hawk loose in pursuit. The pampered hawk, which had been well fed already, refused to strike and started playing with the bird instead, ignoring all commands to strike or return. The emperor sent his huntsmen in pursuit of the precious hawk and decided to go back to Lahore. The duck, with the white hawk in pursuit, flew in the direction of the guru's hunting party, which let loose a hawk of their own, which promptly seized the duck. The emperor's hawk descended too to participate in the kill, and the six were quick to secure both hawks. The emperor's bird 
was a beautiful and noble creature, and the six were much pleased at capturing it. Since it had come to them of its own volition, they decided to keep it. Just then, the emperor's huntsmen arrived, escorted by several troops, and demanded that the hawk be turned over to them. This is the emperor's hawk, he thundered. His glory is great, and he is the king of the entire world. Kings bow before him in awe. There is not one rebel left in his kingdom, and all men bend their knees to him. How dare you keep what is his? What transpired next is recounted in the Gurbilas Padshahi Chemi, a biography of Guru Hargobind's, whose authorship is not clearly known. Kripa Sindh Tab Aes Uchara Chori Leenna Baj Tumhara Ham Pe Bhejo Sri Akal Kat Kyo Tum Atbhay Bihal Meer Shikar Bol Krod Bena Baad Shah Dil Lije Ena Taanko Baj Turat Ham Dije Britha Kasht Neh Tan Par Lije Daya Sindh Bole Tab Bachna Dilli Patna Gaye Na Jachna हजरत बाज गुरु हर लीनो हमको त्रास बहुत दुख दीनो तुमरो भै तिने नैक ना कयो पकर बाज हम को दुख दयो। Spoke the Guru, merciful brave, We did not steal your hawk, you knave. A gift it is from the Lord divine, Why do you thus sputter and whine? The huntsman haughty, full of pride, The Lord of Delhi, his fame spread wide. Tarry no more, give me his bird, for trouble you shall have to gird. And then it was the Guru's turn. The might of Delhi we do spurn. His words to us don't mean a whit. We're wedded to the Almighty's writ. The huntsman in a fearful rage. His lord he hastened to engage. Ramrod stiff he made a plea. His angry words flowed barely free. Your precious hawk, it has been seized. Insulted, mocked, I have been teased. They care not for your glory proud. They keep the bird will not be cowed. The huntsman had hastened to Lahore to report what had happened. Shah Jahan, maddened with rage at the Sikh's impudence, summoned Mukhlis Khan, one of his trusted generals, presented him with a robe of honor and a powerful horse, and ordered him to take 7,000 men, march to Amritsar, and bring back the hawk, along with the leader of the rebellious Sikhs, in chains. The Battle of Amritsar was about to begin. The Sikhs of Lahore, 
Upon hearing that Mukhlis Khan was being dispatched to Amritsar at the head of a large force, quickly sent messages warning Guru Hargobind. The Guru responded by issuing arms to all his Sikhs and commanding them to sharpen their swords. Outside the city of Amritsar was a platform where the Guru often held court in the afternoon named Logar. A wall was quickly built around it and it was fortified and 25 heavily armed Sikhs were assigned to defend it. A cannon was fashioned out of a hollow tree trunk for the fort's defense. The Guru asked his commander, Pai Banu, to evacuate the women and children of Amritsar lest they be targeted by the invading army. The Guru's own household was taken to a house near the tank of Ramsar. By then it was nightfall and Mukhlis Khan's army had arrived at the outskirts of Amritsar. The first engagement was with the doughty warriors who were guarding Logar, who successfully managed to halt the advance of Mukhlis Khan's army, but were unable to inflict much damage in the darkness. It was then discovered that the Guru's daughter Vira was missing. In the haste to evacuate his household, she had been left behind in the Guru's private quarters. Two warriors, Babak and Singa, were deputed to find Viro and bring her back to Ramsar, and the Guru gave them his rosary, knowing that his daughter would recognize it and trust the men. A pitched battle was fought at Logar that night, and the Mughal forces finally overran the fort and put all the 25 defenders to sword. The victorious soldiers streamed into Amritsar and made their way to the Guru's house, much chagrined to find it empty. They did, however, find the sweets that had been prepared for the wedding party and gorged themselves while upstairs Bibi Viro hid, quiet as a mouse. When the soldiers had left, Babak and Singa made their way to Viro and showed her the rosary to convince her that they were the Guru's men, and Singa helped her onto a horse. Trying to avoid the Mughal soldiers, they gingerly made their way to Ramsar. Just as they were about to make their escape, a Mughal soldier saw them and tried to arrest them, forcing Babak to discharge his musket. The sound of the gunshot reached Ramsar, and the Guru quickly dispatched his mightiest warriors, Bidichand and Pandekhan, to bring the little caravan to safety. Three hours still remained until daybreak. The Guru felt that Ramsar was not a very safe place anymore because the enemy forces were near. His family, along with other women and children, was sent to the village of Jabal, about seven miles from Amritsar, from where they would later be taken to Goindwal. Wearied by the march of the previous evening, their bellies filled with wedding delicacies, Mukhlis Khan's soldiers were sleeping peacefully when the Sikhs counterattacked, inflicting heavy casualties on the invaders. Pai Banu engaged Shamas Khan, one of Mukhlis Khan's commanders, in hand-to-hand -hand combat and killed him, before himself being overwhelmed by the enemy horde. Enraged at the death of Shamas Khan, Mukhlis Khan sent another commander, Sayyid Muhammad Ali, 
at the head of a thousand horsemen to engage the six. The cavalry charge inflicted heavy losses on the six until Singa rallied a band of warriors and counterattacked with great ferocity. Singa was mortally wounded, but he managed to scatter the cavalry charge and during his final moments dispatched Sayyid Muhammad Ali with a well-aimed arrow. The Guru was greatly saddened when he heard of Singa's passing, and he decided to unleash Bandai Khan on the Mughals, who attacked with great ferocity. Pande Khan, in a fearful rage, brave warriors fall, mighty rampage, grimacing skulls his form adorn, drunken dervish laughing in scorn, like a trilling damsel joyous song, savor the battle warrior strong, in a blistering rage brave warriors fall, swept away in an instant all. Mukhlis Khan saw the battle slipping away from his hands and made a desperate attempt to rally his troops. He collected around him all the commanders that remained and reminded them of the favors they had enjoyed. The six are nothing, he railed. They are just commoners. The Guru has no army. His followers are just a band of rustics. You can easily vanquish them. His commanders, who had been battered by the six, looked at him in disbelief until one of them spoke up. That might be true, but they fight valiantly. The Guru's arrows are like black snakes. One is enough to dispatch the most powerful warrior. You say the Guru's army is worthless? Look at what Bende Khan has done to us. We came here with a host of 7,000. Look around you. How many men do you see still standing? Mukhlis Khan, however, managed to rally his remaining forces for one final assault. Flanked by Bidichand and Pende Khan, the Guru joined the battle, and one by one, all the Mughal commanders were slain until just Mukhlis Khan remained. Mughlis Khan tab bachan uchara, har gobind siyo hamara, ਬਾਦਸ਼ਾਹ Kripa send tab aes uchara, suno khan tum bachan hamara, patsha hamra balvant, akal purak jahe adna ant, taj baj tumre sab lene, nij sikhan ko ham sab dene, nasvant tumra hai shah, abnasi hai mam patsha.
thundered then the mighty Khan, the guru I am here to fight. You dare to steal my monarch's bird. You strike my men and then take flight. The emperor sits on Delhi's throne. Pretender mere, what do you own? You have no land to call your own, and as a king you would be known? Balakh Bukhara, Sindh and more, ruled as he from shore to shore. Bring the bird to him, hasten, hark. Forgive your sins, will my monarch, spake the guru, merciful king. O Khan, you do to fantasy cling. Our king, he is mighty, brave, timeless being and endless trave. Your hawk, your kingdom, we shall take. Over to our six we'll make. We'll turn to dust this emperor thine. Indestructible is mine. When Mukhlis Khan's attempt to talk Guru Hargobind into seeking Shah Jahan's forgiveness inevitably failed, he challenged the Guru to fight him man to man. Kripa Sindh Kope Lay Khagpanang Turang Nachayo Mahatejavanang Tabe Kopakanang Durayo Turanga Leo Sat Surang Gayo Kagnanga Kripa Sindh Kope Tabe Barnamario Lagayo Khan Ghore So Surang Sidhario Bayo Khan Piada Lie Haghatang Guru Bhum Ae Bade Kopasatang Daya Sindh Bole Karo Khan Varang Tabe Kopake Khan Ki Nosavarang Gurdhal Dhari Tisi Var Roka Bayo Khan Bisme Gayo Var Poka Karo Oravarang Kripa Sindh Bakio Kio Khan Varang Soi Rok Rakio Daya Sindh Ki Nosu Kardagandhyanang Mahajuddha Jeta Subidyanidhanang a sword on him the guru strapped, like the dancing wind his stallion grand, and galloped to the mighty Khan, brave warriors both with swords in hand, and then the guru let an arrow fly, dispatched the horse, its time was nigh. Foot soldier the Khan became, dismounted fierce the guru came, you may strike first, the guru roared. The Khan in anger swung his sword. By the guru's shield, the sword was caught. His foe aghast strike came to naught. And again and again he tries to smite. Stopped in his tracks by the guru's might, the guru contemplates his blade. Hero victorious, wisdom laid. Daya send tab kopake kino kharg prahar. Sisakart bhutalgiriyo, jaja sabadi apar, Mughalasakham mareo jave, kripa sindranadhir, kripa drishtatin parakari, gayo surgako beer. In anger does the guru swing his blade, on the ground his severed head is laid. Thus falls the Khan, the guru does prevail, his triumph long gone, heroes loudly hail. The Battle of Amritsar had ended. In his work, The History of the Punjab, Sayyid Muhammad Latif tersely refers to this battle as the first combat in the annals of Punjab, which was fought between the Mohammedans and the Sikhs, 
that it was for sure, but it was so much more. For the very first time, the might of the Mughals had been challenged, and a disciplined army of 7,000, under the command of an able Mughal general, had been roundly defeated by a much smaller force. The legend of Guru Hargobind started to grow as tales of his personal valor spread far and wide. The real significance of the battle, however, was even greater, because it reshaped the psyche of the six in a profound way. Standing up to tyranny had always been a fundamental part of the Sikh creed. This principle had been laid down by Guru Nanak, who had thundered at the great-grandfather of the Emperor Shah Jahan, Babur, calling him a despicable tyrant to his face. Guru Arjan had cemented this principle with his blood when he refused to submit to the tyranny of Shah Jahan's father, Jahangir, and was tortured to death. And now, Guru Hargobind had shown that tyranny could be confronted head-on and defeated. Guru Hargobind's engagement with Shah Jahan's forces was no accident of fate. Of course, the Guru knew the implications of his bold words. He was not addressing Mukhlis Khan, whose fate had already been sealed, but his six, and what he had to say would have profound implications for generations of his followers to come. A Sikh was not to submit to worldly tyrants, but was to bow his head only before the Eternal, the Divine. Furthermore, he was to boldly reject the temporal authority of the tyrant, and if he did, the Guru promised a rich reward sovereignty. The import of the twin swords of piety and might was now crystal clear. Viro's marriage was completed after the hostilities in the village of Jabal, and the Guru left for Goindwal and then went on to Kartarpur with his most trusted warriors, Biddichand, Bandekhan, and Jatimal in tow. The Battle of Amritsar brought the Guru and his warriors great renown. Hundreds of young men flocked to his banners and pledged allegiance to him. The new recruits were turned over to the hardened warriors to be trained in the art of battle. Bandekhan, however, had let the success in Amritsar and his own part in the battle 
go to his head. He began to grumble that so many new recruits were unnecessary when the Guru already had warriors like him to command. I have eaten the Guru's salt, he would say proudly. I am his faithful servant. I was the one who destroyed his enemies at Amritsar. Had I not been there, the Guru's forces would have fled in fear before such a powerful invading army. The Guru took note of Bende Khan's behavior, but continued to treat him with kindness. He was relieved of some of his duties as he had a wife and family. Bende Khan would wait upon the Guru during the day and return to his own home at night. The years passed and Bende Khan's hair started to turn gray. He continued to serve the Guru faithfully and receive his blessings. His daughter was now married and Bende Khan lived a life of comfort secure in the knowledge that he was still the Guru's favorite. Deep in his heart, however, he nursed great arrogance and continued to feel that without his might, the Guru would be powerless. One year, during the festival of Vasakhi, when Sikhs from far and near came to pay their respects to the Guru, a Sikh named Chitarsai arrived bearing gifts a magnificent hawk, a fine stallion, expensive garments, and well-crafted weapons. The guru gave the hawk to his son Gurditta and turned everything over to Pende Khan, commanding him to put on the clothes and strap the weapons on immediately. Pende Khan did as he was told and cut a splendid figure in his new finery. Much pleased, the guru ordered him to always appear before him in his grand clothes. The horse was swift and strong, and upon beholding Pende Khan riding like a whirlwind, the guru named the horse Varulla. Pende Khan returned home from court, where his son-in-law, Asman Khan, saw him on his fine horse and in his expensive clothes. Asman Khan's eyes lit up with covetousness. You are an old man, father, he said. What need do you have for such a strong horse and such fine clothes? Give them to me, and I shall be the envy of Amritsar. Bente Khan refused, saying that passing on gifts that the Guru had given him would be an affront to his master. Asman Khan undeterred went to his mother-in-law and petitioned her. Eager to please her son-in-law, Bente Khan's wife nagged him until exasperated. He handed the clothes and weapons to Asman Khan and gave him the horse as well. Asman Khan, wasting no time, put on the fine clothes, mounted his new horse, and went hunting. It so happened that Gurditta was hawking in the forest on that day, and managed to lose the hawk that his father had given him. Asman Khan came upon the hawk and promptly captured it. He was sure that if he took the magnificent bird to the Mughal court, he would be rewarded richly, perhaps even with a land grant. The fact that Gurditta was his dear childhood friend didn't deter him either. Bande Khan, 
when he learned of Usman Khan's intention, commanded him to return the hawk at once, but the arrogant young man refused, instead mocking his father-in-law for his allegiance to a kafir or an infidel. Five days passed, and Pende Khan did not go to court. Finally, when he was summoned, he dragged himself to the Guru's presence. Where are your fine new clothes, Pende Khan? Where are your weapons? Where is Varola? Shamefacedly, Pende Khan said that he had come in great haste upon hearing the summons and didn't have enough time to change into the clothes that the Guru had given him. Hmm, and do you know where Gurdatta's hawk might be? Pende Khan denied all knowledge of the hawk and sputtered indignantly when it was suggested that it might be in Usman Khan's possession. The Guru quietly sent Bidichand to Pende Khan's home, and sure enough he returned with the hawk, the horse, the clothes and the weapons. The Guru asked Pende Khan to come clean a third time, but he just stood there resolute in his denials. The Guru then asked Bidichan to produce the hawk, the weapons, and the clothes, and an open court charged Pende Khan with swearing falsely three times. You have shamed yourself, Pende Khan, and you shall be expelled from my court. There had never been much love lost between Pende Khan and the Guru's Sikhs. They hastened to throw him out, showering abuse on him and treating him roughly. His pride hurt, Bende Khan, instead of throwing himself at the Guru's mercy, swore revenge. Bende Khan managed to gather 500 men and accompanied by Asman Khan left for Jalandhar, where his cousin Qutub Khan was governor. He enlisted his support, calling for a holy war against the Sikh infidels. Qutub Khan, aware that the emperor was an enemy of the Sikhs, promised support and sent Bende Khan to Lahore to plead his case. Bende Khan placed a litany of complaints before the emperor, some fabricated and some born of his self-aggrandizing nature. The guru has done me grievous wrong, he owed me six months of back pay, and when I demanded it, he dismissed me and confiscated my clothes and weapons. Three times I have made him victorious in battle. I was instrumental in defeating Mukhlis Khan at Amritsar. I helped him defeat Abdullah Khan in Jalandhar, and I carved out his victory over Lal Beg at Nathana. Without me, his army is toothless. Support me and you will rid yourself of a rebel who can only cause more trouble in the future. Help me get my revenge. The emperor's courtiers advised him to listen to Pende Khan's counsel. Pende Khan knows the Guru's army inside out. He says it consists of washermen, peddlers, farmers, and minstrels who know nothing of the art of war. It will be an easy victory. Besides... The Guru is wealthy. Sikhs from all over bring him untold riches and offerings. An expedition will greatly enrich the royal treasury. 
a force of 50,000 soldiers was assembled, and command was given to Kale Khan, the late Mukhlis Khan's brother and the governor of Peshawar, who had been thirsting for revenge. Anwar Khan, a friend of Abdullah Khan's, the late governor of Jalandhar, Qutb Khan, Pende Khan and Asman Khan were all invested with robes of honor and commissioned as senior officers under Kale Khan. The huge army made its way to Jalandhar and set up camp there hosted by Qutb Khan. Anwar Khan was sent to parley with the Guru, largely as a ploy to gauge his intentions. News of the Mughal army's impending arrival had already reached the Guru through his lieutenants, the Masands, who were fearful and predicted dire consequences. The Guru, however, seemed unperturbed. Even as Anwar Khan was trying to engage the Guru in dialogue, treachery was afoot. Tirmal, the son of Gurditta, was the Guru's oldest grandson. Frightened by the grim forebodings of the Masands, he began to ponder the future if his grandfather was defeated, an outcome that was starting to look extremely likely given the size of the invading force. My grandfather is getting old and increasingly reckless. He clearly has no understanding of how powerful the enemy is. Perhaps there is a silver lining here. Perhaps this is an opportunity for me to secure my succession to the throne of Guru Nanak. Dhirmal decided to write a letter to Pende Khan. Dhirmal kar kapat kamai pati pende nikat pathai tumko kaad sadan te dina bado droh toh sang ki na aavo turat bilam nahi ki jai Moko jaan meet nit lijay, leh khajana kila sudhar, mo sang ki jay adhik payar. Dhirmal, the treacherous lad, did letter to the rebel send, from the court you were dismissed, scorned, opposed, nary a friend, quickly come, no time to waste, in me an ally you will find, awaits you here glory and wealth. Be my friend, to me be kind. Pente Khan was delighted when he received Tirmal's letter. He gleefully showed it to the other Mughal generals who were similarly encouraged by the dissension within the Guru's ranks. Kale Khan decided that the time to attack had come. Word was sent to all his commanders and the Mughal army began to converge on Kartarpur. Bavan aur hazar sidhai, Kale khaan var janat dai, Satra paanch sena chal aise, Mil tindan nav dhavat jaise, Pur bahar ikthe sab hoye, Keen salah mantra sab johe, Kar milap ar kari salah, Madra pivat chale tadaha, pi madra bhai bhavaro bakat atpate ban, dharani bhar bhayam bad udi dhud hue gan. And then the mighty Mughal host, its leaders swearing death and harm, gathering are then armies five, cover the sky like a locust swarm. 
Outside the town the host collects, mutter charms and plots they make, confabulate and make their plans of wine and spirits they partake. They drink and drink and utter curses foul, dust flies, earth shakes, O fearsome grunt and growl. The invading army arrived at the outskirts of Kartarpur at night. Guru Hargobind had been making preparations for their reception. He arose earlier than usual and recited the Japji. The Guru Granth Sahib was read, and Kraprashad, the traditional blessing handed out at every Sikh congregation, was prepared and distributed. Arms and ammunition were passed out to the Guru's soldiers. It was not daybreak yet. The Guru deputed 500 warriors under the command of Bai Lakhu to advance. Using the cover of darkness, the Sikhs wreaked havoc upon the Mughal army's ranks. Nonplussed by the ferocity of the attack and the heavy casualties he had taken, Kale Khan desperately tried to rally his forces. The Guru's army is weak and tiny. Go forth and decimate them, and you have my permission to plunder at will. 20,000 troops advanced upon Kartarpur from all directions. The defenders stood fast, led by the redoubtable Bidhichand, Jatimal, Lakhu and Rai Jodh, the Guru's commanders. Wave upon wave of Mughal soldiers was repulsed. The Guru himself took the field. Clad in shining armor, mounted on his fabled steed, Dilbag, the Guru's youngest son, Tyagmal, distinguished himself in battle, earning the title Teg Bahadur, or Brave Swordsman. Bidhichand easily dispatched Anwar Khan with an arrow that struck him between his eyebrows. Jathimal and Kutub Khan engaged in close combat, which ended indecisively. Kale Khan and his commanders looked on in dismay as their huge army was slaughtered. They turned upon Pende Khan in anger, cursing him for suggesting that the Guru's forces would easily capitulate and taunting him for his vain boasts. Pende Khan decided to enter the battlefield with his son Asman Khan in tow. Kutub Khan engaged Lakhu in close combat and managed to get the better of him. Lakhu's fall re-energized the Mughal force and it launched a fresh attack with Pende Khan in front and Kale Khan, Kutub Khan and Asman Khan following closely behind. Asman Khan engaged Gurditta, the Guru's oldest son, who rained arrows back upon him and killed him. Dismayed by the death of his childhood friend at his own hands, Gurditta wept and left the battlefield with his father's permission. Kutub Khan tried to attack the Guru, who separated his head from his body with a single stroke of his sword. Alone and disgraced, Kale Khan then attacked the Guru and met exactly the same fate as his brother Mukhlis Khan, at the Guru's hands. Then, Pende Khan confronted Guru Hargobind, sword in hand. Doe jam din table ayo, Pende Guru ki or takayo, Chord kas judd ke taayin, 
अयो दौर निज अस्व कुदाई आवत श्री गुरु ताह निहारा नगन तेग कर क्रोध अपारा गुर डिग बीर ना काह तकायो सुनो संत अस बैन अलायो हे गुर तुमरो बल कहा रहो ठाण पछार अब निज बदला पाए हो हमरो वार संभार सुनत श्री गुर मन मुस्काए भगत सिंह अस बैन अलाए मूड़ खान अपने बल की जय चित की होंस राख जिन ली जय अब पहदे रिस तेग चलाई कर गुर दाव पर ढाल चुकाई हनी और रोकी गुर ढाला पहदे खान मन भयो बिहाला अधिक कोप मन धार के कियो तीसरा वार भगत सिंह कर मूठ रह परी टूट तरवार पेंदे खान सब ही सुख खोए वृथावार मम तीने होए गुर को पकर अस निज डराऊं निज सेना की ओर पधाऊं अस बिचार बिब हाथ पसारे निसर अस्व गिर भूम दुखारे गुर को है जुत चह ठकरायो दया सिंध चह मूड उड़ायो चले सुमेर ना चले गुर के कौतक तिन जान आवो देख अनंत जुत तह छिन्न करे निदान बाएं हाथ गुर की हणी चोट ताह कर भाल पेंदे खा भू पर गिरा उठ के बैन कराल छोड़ अस गुरभू पे आए पेंदे प्रत अस बैन अलाए हमरो वार रोक कर खान कह पेंदा जे तक बल ठान श्री गुरु तेग हणे तब ऐसी हणे तार सबनी गर जैसी रुंड मुंड होए चीर सिधाई लाग भूम जन फतेह कराई कहा गुरु कल मां पढ़ो पेंदा गिरत अलाए हे गुरु मिली सो तेग तुम कलमा रूप सोहाए ऐस सुनत मन मोह उपजायो श्री गुरु नैन नीर बह आयो छाया करी ढाल के साथ गुरसम कोई न दीना नाथ तह दृगंते ज्योत निकासी दया सिंध के मुख में बासी जल कास्ट पालयो निज जान बोरत नाह घनो हित ठान तैसे गुरु छाया करी अपने रूप समाए निज आंसू मुख धोए तय नाम नरण सम गाए The day is now starting to pass Pende Khan does the guru see to him he goes unseemly haste gallops his horses rein is free in anger at the guru looks mightily swings his naked blade calmly the guru meets his gaze impudent khan spews rude tirade whither your strength you were a mighty king revenge is mine can you withstand my sting on the guru's lips a gentle smile on hearing words both rude and brave 
Bende Khan, the arrogant fool, knows not his folly, reckless knave. In anger does he swing his blade. The guru faints, his charge he stops. Angry sword meets steadfast shield. Bende Khan, frustrated, yops. In anger does the Khan attack again, shatters his sword, a piteous yelp of pain. In a tizzy left the mighty Khan, fruitless his attacks all three. He tries to seize the Guru's horse, tries with it to his comrades flee. Steed dodges his grasping hands, comes to not his evil plan. The Guru decrees the time is nigh to take the head of the wayward man. Miraculous appears the Guru's way, in an instant gives and an instant takes away. Left-handed strikes him mightily with spear. To the grounds he falls and screams in fear. From his horse Guru dismounts. From his lips these words take flight. Look sharp now, lad, for I shall strike. Resist me now with all your might. A mighty blow of the Guru's sword. Striking hard, it slices clean. His head and body want to cleave. Guru triumphant, his blade is keen. The time for you to go is drawing nigh. The time for you, the Kalma, to recite. The Khan contrite, he now is heard to say, My Kalma, Lord, your blade that did me smite. His master's heart now fills with love. His tender eyes, they well with tears. The Guru's shield, O oh cooling shade, Fount of mercy, bane of fears. His eyes are now devoid of light, the guru speaks in a somber mood. I watered you like a sapling young. Why with love were you not imbued? In the shade of master's warm embrace. On his face fall soothing tears of grace. Finally, the prodigal had returned home. The story of Bende Khan's treachery and his redemption is taken from Sri Ashtaguru Chamatkar by Pai Veer Singh. The poetry is from the Gurbila Spatshai Chemi. The story of the six is written and narrated by Sarpreet Singh, author of the poem Kultar's Mime, which was adapted for the stage and tells the story of the massacre of the six in Delhi in 1984. His second book, The Camel Merchant of Philadelphia, set in the court of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, was recently published. Both are available on Amazon. The Story of the Six is produced by Almast Media. Our theme music is a rendition of a traditional Sikh hymn by the late Bai Avtar Singh. This episode features a rendition of Raga Bim Palasi by the well-known Indian classical Sarad maestro, Dr. George Ruckert. Season 2 of The Story of the Six is sponsored by the Chardi Kala Foundation, the Sawney Family Foundation, and Manpreet Kaur and Ishdeep Singh. I'm co-producer and audio engineer Erica Wong. In the next episode of The Story of the Six, Guru Hargobind names his young grandson, Har Rai, successor, but his oldest grandson, Dear Mal, rebels against him. The Guru's family is once again roiled by dissent and treachery. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.